everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I'm T, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on YouTube for the video version. Just go to youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And you can find our audio-only version on all your popular uh, podcast platforms. So make sure to subscribe. And I want to make sure you're liking the episodes as well, too. So give me some interaction. Comment on them. Tell me what you're liking about what I'm talking about in the episode. Tell me if you're just not liking me. I just want to know so I can help tweak things as they need to be. Get subscribed. And that reminds me as well. You can find me on my social media channels for Twitter. Look for Axdew, that's A-X-D-E-W. You can see it spelt right over there. As well, find me on Instagram, at Farron underscore Reynolds. That's over there as well, too. Follow me. I put some good photos up there on those. I got my little uh, thirst traps and my, uh, my uh, uh, what do I call them, thotty photos and everything like that on Instagram. It's fun times promoting the show. I love it. Losing weight. Got to try to enjoy what I got here and everything. Uh, but... You also want to find our Facebook group for T Watches a Scary Movie because if you do, you can find out about our watch parties that we do. When I'll put up written reviews, you can read those. Fun conversations that we're having in there about games and movies and music and everything as well, too. It's a great time. Go to facebook.com slash group slash T Scary Movie. Again, that's facebook.com slash group slash T Scary Movie. So with that, what do we have in store for y'all tonight? Well, it is February. Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And I thought, you know what? What makes the most sense for us to talk about tonight? Let's just fucking do it. Let's go through my bloody Valentine. So that's what we're doing tonight. We're looking at the original film released in 1981. And then we're going to look at the remake that was made in, I believe, 2009. So we're going to be talking about both of those films. All right. That's what we're going over tonight. But what else do we have to talk about here? Because it's been it's been a week, you know. So what have we had going on? Well, uh, I sat in on my good friend, Mr. William, uh, Mr. William R. Washington's new podcast, Day After Dynamite Dad on Fightful Overbooked, uh, his new show covering AEW Dynamite the day afterwards, talking about all the segments, all the matches, seeing where we all left off at. I had a great time sitting in on this show. My man, Big Will, celebrating 20 years, 20 years as friends. I met him 20 years ago. It was either this week or it was last week at Rangeview High School in health class. We bonded over WWE posters that we had in our binders. And funny enough, that brings us into horror. Uh, that same class is where I convinced our health teacher, which I'm pretty sure was a substitute, to let us watch John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars. Still one of my biggest flexes that I can actually take from high school is that I convinced a substitute teacher to let us watch Ghost of Fucking Mars. That and don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. I got a sub and health class to play that too, believe it or not, because again, I'm just crazy and get folks to do things somehow. Uh, but yeah, uh, check that out there. You can find them on Twitter under Fightful uh, and you can find them on YouTube as well too. It was a great time. We discussed last week's Dynamite where uh, MJF managed to pull over the win against CM Punk, his first loss in AEW. Uh, great show. 
had a lot of fun hopefully we'll come back and do uh tea and friends watch scary movies sometime again because i love that cat uh, I also celebrated 20 years recently with my good friend, Mr. Benjamin Costigan as well, too, who is my horror road dog. That's my ride or die there when it comes to anything horror, because that's all we did back in the day. You know, I reviewed Resident Evil recently. I told you all about that experience, about how me and Ben, we actually went and saw the original Resident Evil 20 years ago this year. Literally, I think it's 20 years in a few months, we got to see the first Resident Evil movie made by Paul W.S. Anderson. And uh, 20 years later, we get Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, the more accurate, video game accurate movie adaptation. Maybe not the better movie, but we get the more video game accurate uh, uh, adaptation. And it's just so fun, man. Like, as I get older, these anniversary with, anniversaries with friends mean so much more, especially all the horror ones there. Like, I love everything with that i am so so stoked there but what else we got to talk about uh i am growing my vhs collection again now uh i love vhs i still have a good chunk of vhs tapes stored away uh a good chunk of them are recorded ones because you know that's how we did it back in the day you just record what's on tv so i got some great compilation tapes and stuff but i also do have mint condition copies i'm looking at a spider web right there because it's been a while since a spider has attacked me on this show and we might have another one coming we'll see um but i decided i want to start buying vhs's again and the first one that i bought was black friday i really really enjoyed that movie it is a permanent christmas horror staple for me now and i felt this was a great way to start to kick off buying those again so i bought that and I just bought the Slumber Party Massacre remake on VHS as well, too, because that movie is so, so good and exactly the kind of shit that I want on VHS. Uh, so we're going to keep going with that. I'm going to hopefully get that collection uh, built back up this year and show that off to y'all a little bit later. But I want to talk about that because that was exciting to me. What else is there to talk about? Um, TV wise. I have been watching All of Us Are Dead on Netflix, the new Korean zombie sensation. So, so good. Now, if you haven't seen it, simple story about how a zombie outbreak breaks out into a school in Korea and about these group of students who are left inside the school fighting for their lives and the assorted people outside of the school who are either trying to get in to help them or to stop anybody from escaping. Fantastic show. I'm about eight episodes into it right now. Um, the one thing I could tell you from watching this and then watching Kingdom, because you've heard me talk about Kingdom before. It's the other Korean zombie show on Netflix, but it's set back in the feudal era. So we have samurais and all that kind of stuff there fighting with zombies. Amazing show. Uh, they've done their two seasons and then their, uh, their mini movie that they made last year. And hopefully we got season three coming next year or later this year. Who knows? But they know how to do zombies there. That's no difference with this show as well. Although it's interesting because this show comes off a lot more like World War Z. Uh, if you've heard me talk about that, which I don't think I've talked about it much on the show. I'm not a fan of World War Z. Yes, the Brad Pitt World War Z. It's a terrible movie. And I think a lot of the reason is because they chose to call it World War Z. I love that book. I think that is a fantastic book. My copy of it is literally sitting right over there. Um, I just, the book is so different. And I don't need it to be like the book. Because the book is a series of interviews that uh, Max Landis does with uh, all these people throughout this zombie outbreak, basically. And kind of telling all these people different stories about their interactions and encounters with zombies and the government and things like that. 
And the movie World War Z is almost like an adaptation of one of those stories, basically. It's following around uh, uh, following around this reporter, Jerry, uh, Jerry Lane, or uh, this guy, Jerry Lane, played by Brad Pitt, who's basically trying to find the, st the way to stop this zombie outbreak from occurring because everybody knew it was coming and things like that. It's just not a good movie. The zombies don't actually really eat anybody. They're, the whole goal is to attack and, uh, and, and, and infect, kind of like 28 days later and 28 weeks later, which... That works for those movies because they established this is not a zombie virus. It's zombie-esque. The problem I have at World War Z is that they try to cling on to the fact that these are zombies. And they call it World War Z when that's not what's actually happening. They're just attacking and moving on. That's all they're doing. And that's kind of how All of Us Are Dead is as well, too, to where the zombies in that, they're really more so just about attacking and killing versus eating. Like, there's a few characters in there that decide to eat some people but it's very few and far between but either way you definitely are going to want to check that out uh it has been absolutely awesome and y'all should really watch it you're looking for something new to watch right now a lot of shows are on break because of the olympics that's definitely one that you're going to want to get checked out for sure make sure to go and watch that one um find me on twitter like i said as well too i've been recapping black horror history talking about some of the most influential uh directors writers actors all those kind of people um who have influenced me in my lifetime uh not just for black history month but more specifically because of horror because african-american culture is so ripe. it's so it's such a big part of the horror genre itself that in my opinion it's hard to really separate those two when you think about it you can't think about horror without thinking about black people and in my opinion you can't think about black people without thinking about horror because our entire history is uh, immersed in the horror the horror of us of a, of a people as a whole so those two things are just so synergist with each other um go to my twitter check that out there because i've been recapping one person every day uh, for the last nine days here now, I just got done doing Dwayne Jones from uh, Ganja and Hess, or you might know him from a little film called Night of the Living Dead as well, too. So go back and take a look at who I am uh, putting a focus on. So uh, beyond that, before we get to our movie reviews, we have so much good stuff coming up for y'all. And I know you know what's getting closer and closer. You know later in the month, we have the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Wednesday, February 23rd, we will be reviewing it. We're going to be watching it. It's going to be such a good time. You don't watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you want all this elevated horror or anything like that. You watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre because you know Leatherface is going to fuck somebody up with a chainsaw. And that's what we're going to get. So next week, we're, watching the uh, we're talking The Strangers Pray at Night and... Uh, a film I haven't seen in such a long time, Cherry Falls, with uh, Brittany Murphy in it. So we're going to watch uh, uh, a couple more slasher flicks. I'm loving getting back into slashers because that that's my genre right there. I absolutely love, love, love it. And I love that Scream 5 is kind of what set all that off, which brings up another point there. Uh, those of y'all who are out there making campaigns and shit, trying to change things from Scream 5, look, they were talking about you in the movie, about toxic fandom all right there is no gatekeeping to horror but there's also being realistic about horror as well too and making petitions to bring back characters that are dead or to get rid of characters uh to change things about what filmmakers are making in movies is fucking stupid 
It's absolutely stupid. Because like it or hate it, it's what they intended to do. Okay? We don't have to enjoy it all the time because filmmaking subjective. All right? Yes, they're making movies and TV shows for us, but they're also making it for them as well too. What they want to write, what they want to see realized on screen. I'm not there. Uh, I'm not spoiling Scream 5 yet. If you want those spoilers, you can go back and check out my four-part series with Mr. Eric Brady, where we, we go over all of it there. I'll have a link here at the end of the episode for you. See part one of that. But you're like you can catch all that there i'm not gonna spoil it yet but we're not bringing characters back from the death like that okay like there has to be an impact there has to be an impact and without going into spoiler territory bringing back this character from scream 5 would be a huge mistake we would lose so much of the emotional value that we got by this character being dead so they can't come back and also uh, not that it spoils anything in the least bit here at all. Stu Mocker is fucking dead, y'all. I have said it multiple times here now, and I'm going to say it again. Stu is fucking dead. He's not alive. We all love Matt Lillard. We all love Matthew Lillard. But Stu is dead. He's not masterminding any of this shit from prison or anything like that. He's not waiting in the wings. He's not in police protection. No, his ass is dead, okay? End of story. That's it at that point. But... To get back onto a better note there rather than talk about toxic fandom and stupid fucking petitions. Um, yeah, we got Strangers Pray at Night and Cherry Falls next week. Week after that, we have the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then we're also going to take another look back at Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation with Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. After that, we're looking at Nightmare Alley and Mimic. We're finally going to do a Guillermo del Toro night. Uh, yeah, we'll see how I do with that one. I do love Mimic, though. Mimic is fucking fantastic. I don't know how I feel about Nightmare Alley, though. We have uh, a bunch of werewolf shit coming for y'all in March as well. I have The Cursed, the new werewolf movie coming out with Boyd Holbrook. And then we're watching Cursed with uh, Christina Ricci and Joshua Jackson and Jesse Eisenberg. And then a week after that, we are going to watch Werewolves Within finally because we were going to do that last year and it just got moved around so much and we're now we're finally going to watch werewolves within and we're also going to be watching silver bullet so we have so many fun things coming up and we're gonna uh get that through get a <laughs> we're gonna let that get us through the month okay so many good things coming up for y'all so make sure you go into the facebook page so you can kind of see all of that and get onto the event pages and join our watch parties because we want to have fun with you so let's move on to talking movies now so the original my bloody valentine this is a slasher flick from 1981 that told the story about a town called valentine bluffs yeah valentine bluffs and believe it or not it takes place in canada which is so interesting to me uh when i think back about this movie because um as stupid as it sounds i know i'm not the only person that does it but you just automatically assume that everything takes place in america okay like Unless it's like a, a foreign film or anything like that, you assume like every single movie is probably taking place in small town USA. So it's just interesting. This is a Canadian production and it also takes place in Canada. So Valentine's Bluffs, uh, as far as I'm aware, is a fictional town there. But um, they run a yearly traditional Valentine's party in Valentine's Bluffs that everybody goes to. It's kind of like one of the highlights of the year. And on this certain year, two supervisors of the local mine decide that they're going to leave early to go and attend this party. Unfortunately, 
before they leave they forget to uh they forget to uh what's the word bleed the lines bleed the or check the methane gas levels in the mine there are still five workers down there and there's an explosion that traps all five workers in the mines unfortunately nobody knows this because of the dance that's going on so when they later are able to rescue the miners they find out only one has survived a mr harry warden and unfortunately he has been driven insane due to having to commit cannibalism to survive apparently now a year later Harry Warden reemerges to kill those two supervisors that caused all of this and warns the town, don't ever put on another Valentine's Day dance. And over the next 20 years, the town stops doing them only to slowly start getting back to them as they don't hear anything else from Harry Warden. There hasn't been an appearance in a long, long time. So, of course, why don't we just go ahead and do another dance? Now, from there, speculation is out the window. Um, I like this movie. I do like My Bloody Valentine, but sometimes I feel it gets romanticized just a little bit for having more than what it actually does. And what I mean by that is uh, there, there isn't much of a, more of a story to it. Like, there's this inside story about, like, the police chief, Jake Newby, um, and what he's dealing with, like, uh, uh, with, like, the mayor, because the mayor uh you know is absolutely not trying to have more murders in his town or anything like that and if kids are getting killed if everybody's getting killed that's not good business for him so they're at odds throughout the film there but the sheriff seems entirely useless um which is saying a lot because in like our old slasher films the sheriff was usually going to be uh, not necessarily the hero but the person you could definitely count on to like bust some heads or to save the day at one point or another they might not be the actual hero or our protagonist but you can count on them to be there to help the situation and i felt watching my bloody valentine that uh the sheriff wasn't doing jack shit in this movie honestly like a lot of long stares and a lot of harry warden's back harry but harry warden's dead he's been dead for a long time tell them kids the dance is canceled like that is, that's, you know, if the sheriff was black, that's what he would sound like there, obviously. Um, but, uh, like, he didn't add anything to the actual story, in my opinion. And it makes sense because also, like a lot of slashers of the time, we are focusing on a group of young adults. So, in this case here, uh, we're focusing on a group of mine, uh, a group of workers who work at the local mine where Harry Warden was originally trapped and the massacre kind of began and you know they're significant others and we find out that there's a bit of a love triangle between the mayor's son tj axel and tj's former girlfriend axel's current girlfriend sarah so tj wants her back but she's with axel and there's obviously some strife in that relationship and that's really what's building this all up now over the course of the film, the attacks increase by the miner at that point, which is what we're going to call him. The miner, he's got the mining gas mask on. He's got the pickaxe and everything. Uh, he's got the headlamp. He's got the suit. Like, it's the miner, right? And the miner's attacks increase across the film. And one of the best things about this movie, that especially that it's known for, is its gore. Um, there's some very uh, brutal deaths in this film. And depending on which cut of the film that you watch, 
they're very much edited to where we're either not seeing the actual death blow or we don't even see like the aftermath of it because it's supposed to be extremely gruesome one of the kills that uh, specifically stands out in my mind is the girlfriend one of the miners later in the film when everybody finally realizes that harry warden is back uh, she gets impaled onto a shower and then her boyfriend goes and finds her and you know, it's like the water and blood is coming out of her mouth because she was impaled on it. And it's supposed to be really gruesome, but you don't really get much of it in like the regular version of the film. And it's interesting because I don't know if it needs it, honestly. Like I own the uh, the, unrate, uh, the uncut version there that has like some more of that gore put back into it and everything. And it's both good and it's both bad. Like bad in the sense of the film doesn't suffer in my opinion without it. There's a couple of scenes where folks are getting killed where it's like, God, if we could see that impact, like, I don't need to see, like, you know, flesh tearing and shit like that. But, like, you know, seeing somebody actually get stabbed, as gruesome as that sounds, a lot of times can add to the tension of those movies. So, I, I, I missed it a little bit, but not as much as you might imagine if you're watching the edited version of the movie itself. That being said, though, the problem is, is that, uh, and not even a problem, let me take that back. Problem, not the right word for it here. There's a very different, a very uh, big tonal difference between the classic version and the remake version because the remake version makes it very clear that we should know who the killer actually is. There shouldn't be any mystery about it. We know who the killer is. It's very clear, especially even just from things like the casting, who our killer behind this is. And this original one, we don't have that because at the time, slashers were still relatively new and a lot of them were going for it's either a whodunit, uh, it's got to be one of your friends that's behind it, or it's just this unnamed killer, basically. It's your Michael Myers, it's your Jason Voorhees, it's your Freddy Krueger. You know, these are not guys who, like, yeah, some of them wear masks, but the mask is just hiding, like, a defi uh, like deformity or something like that. It's not, oh my God, you were Jason all along. No, no. And other slashers, like my bloody Valentine, were about that. So we're trying to figure out who this killer actually is. And there's not really any clues given to us throughout the film until the very end when we find out that our killer is Axel, one of the minor work, uh, one of the mine workers, one of the current mine workers, not one from 20 years ago. His dad was one of the supervisors that 20 years ago left the mine without checking the gas levels in which there was the explosion and Harry Warden got trapped and killed all the rest of the miners and ate them. Harry Warden basically blamed those two supervisors and murdered them, but one of the supervisor's son, Axel, was in the room when Harry came and murdered him. He saw the whole thing, got blood on his face, and it traumatized him into becoming this murderer, basically. The issue with it, and here's the issue that I have, and I'm sure somebody would want to explain this better, but that doesn't change things for me. The issue I have is that it makes sense that Axel sees the murder of his father and he gets pushed into like being psychotic basically he has a mental snap and he absolutely becomes psychotic but then the thing is is that they kind of play it like it's not a split personality but it's schizophrenia uh, at the end because he's talking coherently he's having relationships he's not killing everybody like he's still pushed by the idea that they're doing this dance so there's motive behind what he's doing he doesn't want this dance happening basically that's what harry warden didn't want to happen we found out harry warden's been dead and then axel took up the mantle basically and it seems it seems like axel is doing this because he doesn't want this dance to happen it's disrespectful to his dead father but at the same time it's like well there's better ways to go about getting that i don't mean like don't kill anybody but just like so kill the mayor like don't kill random person here or there or anything like that just 
Just kill the mayor and, and you're done at that point. And not only that, by killing the mayor, you hurt your nemesis, TJ, who wants your girl right now, who was his girl. So kill the mayor and you're done. Uh, so I had a problem with the motive of Axel in, in the original film, but that doesn't change the fact that I think the miner is a very, very effective villain, honestly. I love the fact that nobody who goes against the miner in the film really does a good job against him, honestly. Like, he's fucking everybody up, which makes sense. If you see the look of Axel throughout the film, he's not a small guy. He seems he can take care of himself. He even beats the shit out of our hero, TJ, as well. So clearly, like, he's the guy that should be the villain because it's clear he's unstoppable, in a sense. It's a good movie, for sure. Definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you've seen the remake. You owe it to yourself to watch the original. I waste, uh, waited on it for a long time to do it, but it is a really good movie. I don't revisit it as much as I do the remake, but I still really, really enjoy watching it, though. So, My Bloody Valentine. Now, we shift ahead and we talk about the current one. I say current. The more recent remake of My Bloody Valentine 3D. So, this was in the midst of the remake craze we had in the early 2000s. You know, we saw things like The Hitcher, Dawn of the Dead, and um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and this, and Sorority Row, and all that kind of stuff there. So this was kind of going right in line with all these remakes that we were seeing. Now, remakes in the 2000s uh, typically had the better mindset to think about casting. And what I mean by that is, is that the story of My Bloody Valentine 3D changes slightly. Our lead character, TJ, played by Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame, this time is still a worker in the mine, but rather than spread this out over, you know, uh, TJ and all of them being like, you know, super, super young, and this is when all this happens initially, instead, TJ is working the mine uh, with Harry Warden, and it's his job to make sure that the gas levels aren't that high. He doesn't do his job, and there's an explosion that unfortunately traps uh, traps Harry Warden down there in the mine with a number of other workers. We find out Harry Warden killed everybody else that was down there trapped with him, and he vows revenge because of what TJ did. He ends up in the hospital, kills everybody in the hospital, and basically from there, the mine is uh, the mine is supposed to be kind of like the place to where you don't go unless you're supposed to be there at that point. Now. What's interesting is that they don't go with the Valentine's Day dance motive of it. There is a gathering that gets it together. At the beginning of the film, you know, set uh, not too long after the massacre with Harry Warden, TJ, Axel, Sarah, uh, uh, Sarah and some friends are attending a party that's at their local mine, and that's where uh, Harry, Warden, uh, Harry Warden shows up again to attack everybody. He kills a bunch of people. He attacks TJ, and that's kind of like setting up the course of the film itself. Because then we fast forward years later, Axel has become the town sheriff. TJ disappeared for a number of years, and Axel and Sarah have also gotten married. And I like the changeup in the story because right away, um, we still like TJ, but at the same time there, like nobody in this film is likable except for Sarah. Axel isn't likable because we know Axel is of course stepping out on Sarah with one of Sarah's co-workers at the local grocery store. Also, Axel is just a bit of an asshole to begin with. He was an asshole when he was a kid. He's an asshole now that he's the sheriff. So we don't really like Axel a lot. TJ comes back into town and TJ's just weird. Like that is the prob like the problem and the benefit to this movie is that 
I don't think they try to confuse the fact that we know that TJ is the killer in this one. In the original film, it was absolutely Axel. And the sense made behind that is then Axel was traumatized by seeing his father murdered. With TJ, we do get an explanation. Like, it should be very easy to understand what's happening because it's kind of the same explanation behind it. But the issue is, again, the age. Um, you know, Jensen Ackles and Kara Smith and uh, uh, Jamie King, they all play their younger selves and they play their older selves. It works out fantastically. But then we're kind of led to believe that the reason why TJ goes crazy and becomes the minor is because of Harry Warden. You know, he uh, like after Harry Warden uh, escapes from the explosion, he comes face to face with him. He almost kills him, but he gets shot. Um, and the the idea there is supposed to supposed to be that like he was traumatized so much by Harry Warden that he became the minor basically. But then. That's the only motivation behind it. There is no dance. There is no warning of don't ever do a dance again because that's not what caused the problem in the first place. Like the only real actual strife that we have in the movie is that TJ Jensen Ackles has returned to the town to sell the mine. But he then later decides to not sell the mine for a number of different reasons. Um, but it just does, the, the motivation is not there. And I like the remake. I actually do enjoy the remake. I think it's a fun movie, honestly. But the motivation isn't there for TJ. It's kind of like he's just crazy because he got turned crazy. And that's not necessarily a problem. It's not necessarily a problem. But I guess the thing is that the original, whether you think it was too deep or not, it at least made sense for Axel's motivation of why he was doing everything that he was. Um, the kills in the remake here are definitely more on the uh, uh, like on the same level of the gruesomeness of the original film. And that's interesting to note. Because if you go back and look at horror films from the 70s and the 80s, you're either going to get way too much gore, which is good, or you're getting not enough gore, which in a lot of cases wasn't so good there. And My Bloody Valentine was definitely one of the goriest like slashers that was released from that era. And My Bloody Valentine 3D, it's interesting how tame it feels by like today's standards, but it does keep that level of gore and brutality that the original film had. So if you like the kills in the first movie, you're going to love the kills here in the remake as well. There are some very inventive ones. And also, I think 3D movies are so fucking great, honestly. Especially the horror ones that we get. Because I love the stupid tricks they do to remind you, hey, this is 3D. So, of course, Harry, uh, you know, the miner's got to be throwing the pickaxe. And the pickaxe has to come through the window. And somebody's face has to go right down on the pickaxe. Like... All these things, basically, they have to come right at your face. And I fucking love it because it's such a cheap gimmick that's so much fun. And we still do have 3D movies these days as well, too. But they're actually, you know, good 3D movies now. I miss cheesy 3D from, like, the 2000s. And I miss cheesy 3D from, like, the, the 70s and the 80s, too. Like, man, there's nothing like seeing that in an old-school, like, choppy horror film. Now... Beyond that, it is cool to see Tom Atkins in the film. If you remember Tom Atkins from Night of the Creeps, Halloween 3, amongst other things. Very cool having a legend in this film there. Uh, but, again, the flip of My Bloody Valentine 3D is that for all the cool kills and the modern look of the film itself, because it really is just updating the original film. Like, yeah, we lose some plot points, but nothing that's too, too vital to it. But... The thing is, is that without the motivation uh, being better for our killer and TJ in this one, it just doesn't hold together the same way that the original film did. Still a good watch, 
but you're gonna feel that it's lacking this is not ever gonna be on anybody's best of list i feel it's a perfectly serviceable slasher there but again the motivation of the minor unfortunately hurts the film just a little bit so it can't be as good as the original movie and that's it y'all Let's watch them together and let's find out what you think of the two My Bloody Valentine movies. What do you think? Do you like the original more? Do you like the sequel more? What do you think about Axel's motivation versus TJ's motivation in the remake? Uh, and then lastly, why didn't we ever get an actual sequel to this? Because it does seem that it would have been pretty easy. Because I'll have you know, in both versions, in both versions, the miner escapes. In the original, Axel loses an arm and runs off crazily into the mine, screaming like a madman. And the remake, TJ gets out of all of it and uh, take, like kills a worker and takes their outfit and just disappears. So clearly, there's sequel potential for both. So maybe this will end up like my uh, like a Black Christmas and we'll get another My Bloody Valentine sometime here in the next few years. It's not a bad idea. So get to the Facebook group. Get the watch party information so you can come and watch in the Discord, the original My Bloody Valentine, and the remake with us, y'all. Discord.gg slash T Scary Movie. Again, that's Discord.gg slash T Scary Movie. And that's it, folks. I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, to like, and talk to me. Comment back, y'all. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.